you're listening to the iRacer Lounge podcast, featuring all your latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and much more. Now here's your host, Mike Ellis, and Sim Racing Chewy Side. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Carlos Fonseca, Jeff Walton, Jose Pabon, Brad Wren, Dave Smith, and Kyle Fleischman. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hey. Hey, everybody. Evening. Well, we got an action-packed uh, show, so let's get right into it. Uh, first off, uh, Alan Pajari, uh, normally one of our hosts, has decided to pursue other ventures. So we would like to thank him for all his hard work in helping to make this podcast what it is today. We wish him well in all his future ventures. And uh, Alan was an uh, integral part of starting this podcast a little more than a year ago. Our first episode was uh, April 26, 2015. 27 episodes so far. Uh, thanks to Alan uh, for everything you've done, and uh, we're going to continue on uh, supporting this podcast as a team uh, here at Team Tifosi. So uh, uh, thanks, Alan. guess we should mention some things that were said last week. Are they apology? I don't know. You know, the things that were at the end of our uh, previous episode of Irish Lounge. <laughs> you know, some people weren't too happy. Things that were said, I'm not going to go into detail, but... Again, won't happen again. Is we're trying to keep this a clean environment. So, yeah, moving on. Okay. Uh, let's take a look at the Peak Race uh, Antifreeze Series. Uh, Corey Vincent uh, took the win there at Vegas. And uh, did anybody see that of event or check it out? I uh, I was able to watch some of it and... Um... I think it was about 130-some laps before they actually had the first yellow, which is pretty impressive. So a lot of green flag stops, and uh, it's a pretty interesting race. A lot of strategy there with the green flag stops, I'm sure, huh? Yeah, I mean, cycles, you know, how you think guys coming and guys going, and um, it was it was a good race. Uh, the ending got very exciting. Right. And so uh, Corey Vincent wins, uh, Ray Alfala second, Tyler Hudson ran third. And yeah. uh, I had a note here from Alan that he indicated uh, one up, uh, the team one up was working with APC on the Peak Series, uh, Taylor Hurst and Nathan Wise. So there's some kind of uh, team uh, teamwork going on between teams. It sounds like, uh, and, and maybe that uh, is why Tyler finished third. Well, the the last twenty laps or so, you could have pretty much thrown a blanket over the top three. I mean, they were all there together. Well, good run. Uh, Kenny Humpy uh, in fourth there um, as well. So let's take a look at uh, the the 2016 iRacing World Championship GP. And in that one, we had Martin Kronke as the winner uh, in that. And so um, the other uh, thing that came out of that, the other news that came out of the World GP is one of the drivers over there, uh, or at least one of the team drivers, uh, Max Verstappen, wins the Formula One race, the real Formula One race, uh, and he's one of us. He's an iRacer, and uh, kudos to Max. Didn't yeah, Mercedes he... take themselves out? Yeah, yeah, Mercedes took each other out, so that helped him, but you still got to be there, you know? Yep. I think he had just gotten tapped up to, to Red Bull um, that week, hadn't he? Yeah, so, and, and then to win, you know, so quickly as getting into the car, I mean, we all knew the guy's a talent, but obviously he might need to be the next best thing. Yeah, impressive. Uh, I didn't get much on the Grand Prix race. I actually missed it, so uh, anyone else see that one? Of what? Uh, yeah, those Grand Prix races are like early on a Saturday morning, and that's usually when I'm sleeping in, so... All right, let's jump right into NIS NASCAR. That's what we usually run here at this team. Uh, we had Kansas. So uh, let's go around the room. How'd you guys do at Kansas? Uh, Carlos, you want to start? 
Yeah, I guess. I should have... Well, won like three of those races, but that never happened. Just like everything else happens in the series, I had up getting wrecked. <laughs> you know, Open was really good for me, though. I should have led that race and one tiny mistake showing how concentrated you got to be at all times. But one mistake, get it up. Watch well, lost it and corrected right into the outside wall. I think I was fixed. I'm not sure. Oh, I was open. I was just talking about it. <laughs> Anyways, for fixed, same story, running really well and just get taken out. Yeah, Kansas is tough because of the one groove right against the wall and can't pass below. Uh, I'll jump it. I'll do my race real quick. I, I ran once on that week, so uh, only on Wednesday, and I finished 20th. So wasn't really happy uh, with that. Uh, how about you, Brad? Um, you actually were the best result of the week with a win in the Open. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it was a good week. Uh, got the win in Open, uh, an eighth and sixth, and uh, first NIS win since 2014, so uh, was really happy. Um, you know, very, very dominant car on a long run, and that's what we needed. Um, and uh, just uh, not my favorite track, but uh, I'll take a win anytime I can get one. Well, after Talladega, I mean, I had a a good week there with two wins and a pole, and you had a win, almost a win, a second. And uh, anyway, I'm glad you got that win after running so well at Tally. Uh, you backed it up at Kansas. Uh, really good job there. Thank you, Jose. What about you? How'd you do? Uh, not too good. Uh, had a good setup. Had a good running car. Uh, was an awesome long green flag running car. Unfortunately, got involved in several wrecks throughout. Uh, no, matter, no matter how many times I tried, uh, I would get involved in somebody's wreck or something, and uh, that would be my race. And uh, didn't do again. Didn't do too. I think the best I did was a uh, P11 in the fixed. Yep. And Jeff, uh, you didn't do much better. How, how are you? How was your run at Kansas? It was trying to say the least. <laughs> yeah, you had a 14th in the open, 19th in the fixed. Yeah, I just kept chasing the car in the open, and I just couldn't get the handle on. All right, and uh, Kyle, you had a couple top tens. I guess you'd call that a success? Yeah, I'm not used to too much of running up against the wall like that too often, so uh, I actually had another gentleman in the race share a setup at the beginning because I'd forgotten to put the team setup in, and I ended up running with that. Uh, pulled down an 8th place finish, I believe it was. So, yeah, two top 10s this week. I was happy with that. Nice run. And Dave Smith, you got a 19th in the open. No result in the fixed. Yeah, I decided to slow down a little bit this week. I, uh, <laughs> well, I see that my uh, my chances for the uh, the fixed are starting to uh, to go away with, with bad results. So I'm deciding to focus on the open uh, a little bit more, and uh, it started out uh, Wednesday in the open. Me and Jose uh, ended up getting into it at one point in time. Um, I was uh, just avoiding a wreck out of turn four, and I was down on the apron, and I, I was trying to get back up, and I was slower than Jose was, and I, I ended up coming up in, in front of him, and I completely trashed my car. And then Thursday in the open again, uh, the setup the setup that I was running was was awesome. It was a winning setup, but every once in a while it would just turn evil on me. I'd go down into into turn one, and if I didn't hit the entry to turn one just right, it it would wiggle on me really bad, and I'd have to chase it up the track. Well, finally, it it wiggled real bad, and I tried to correct uh, correct for it, and ended up smashing into the wall tore my car up uh it was a really disappointing run so you did at what I kansas. Did. <laughs> yeah i expected to run way better at kansas uh it, it was very disappointing you know i forgot about the race that we had together there dave <laughs> that we got involved in everything oh i didn't forget about it because i've been wanting to apologize to you for it and you know just hadn't oh, got, yeah. got to it yeah don't worry. like i said i forgot all about it man as you can see i didn't even realize that yeah, don't forget about it. I mean, don't worry about it. I took Carlos out at Phoenix, so no big deal. Yeah, but that was a league race. Doesn't matter, still took you out. <laughs> you didn't mean to, though. <laughs> I just lost it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it just a Kansas. It's a tough track, man. It's just so line specific, and uh, it's just a tough track. Well, here's uh, the thing too. Everyone was set up so loose on the open side because the car would tighten up so much after so many laps. So I think that was a majority for people's problems was there. Well, I, st- I still believe we had a really, really good setup, uh, especially for the long run. Uh, oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, but like, unfortunately, it was never able to really put it into great effect. Uh, it happens. It's racing. And it'll keep, we'll keep on going and striving. So should we have the oblig- obligatory, if I can say that word right, uh, you know, plea to iRacing to fix this track? I mean, and make it race like real NASCAR races on it and or we can like get Charlotte. off the wall. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. I mean, it really would. Uh, I'd love to be able to try to get something to work on the bottom and to where you can make time, but the way the current configuration is just not possible. Well, the, the, the real question lies is how good of a setup man can we become? Um, should we be able to make a setup that runs in the low line and I mean, not put it up to iRacing to do it and do it ourselves? It is uh, an open setup. Track's broken. <laughs> From yeah, I think the track's <laughs> broken, and they have the fixed broken. <laughs> you can make Brad's set work that we were driving that day. You can make it work on the bottom for like three laps at most, and then you had to get in the top line. Exactly. Well, the I mean, there were certain times. The difficult part right now with the current track's configuration, I won't necessarily agree that it's broken. I mean, yeah, maybe the racing isn't as great as it as it should be there, as we saw on TV, but. Even if you made a line-specific uh, setup that ran on the bottom for 20, 30, 40 laps, whatever it is, the problem you have is you've still got these other guys that are making great setups that are running on the on the high side. And they're getting all that speed. So you can build a great setup on the bottom, but you're not going to have the speed. Exactly. Yeah, I really want iRacing to do something about this. I mean, they do such a good job at the other tracks, making it match what we see in NASCAR. This doesn't match at all. It it doesn't match at all. They need to fix this. All right, let's talk about Dover. Uh, Dover, who wants to start? Carlos. Oh, God. (laughs) Here we go. Let's see. I don't know. You put these results on our Facebook page, right? Yeah, so we have a result. You got 16th and 15th. Yeah, the 16th and open was, I think, the only shot I ran because it was just way too long of a race for me. They had that error of 311 instead of 200, but I left left halfway through with a blown motor and still got a 16th place, which shows you how sad that track is. But yeah, 15th and the fixed, that I should have been top five. And that was probably, I think it was almost 6,000 SOF. You know, strength of field, and I should have got a top five. And same that was first split, wasn't it? Yeah, it was top split. It had had some really fast guys in there. Yeah, Logan Clampett. I had Ryan Luza. You know them right. guys, and you know, you know how high caliber they are. I and, remember uh, that you had a top five going, and then oh, got wrecked late. Oh yeah, got wrecked, shoved into the fence, and this isn't the first time. The same thing happened the day before in open. I got shoved, I got pinched. You know, it caused me to spin. And just a terrible track for me. It just it's not been nice to me this week, and I'm glad we have an off week to cool down before we get to Charlotte. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I had a great week. Uh, fifth on Wednesday, and I tell you what, that felt like a win for me. Uh, I don't usually run so good on these kind of tracks, but uh, fifth was great result. Thursday, I wrecked myself out on the fixed set, 21st, uh, spinning, you know, off of four or off of two. Uh, Friday, uh, 14th, not too bad. Saturday, wrecked myself out again, 13th. Sunday, wrecked myself out again, 13th again. So each time, I'm just spinning on my own, late exit corner, and uh, and just losing it. You know, not a car around me. You know, it's not like somebody's bumping me or taking the air. I just lose it, and that fix set sucks. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> I couldn't drive it. I wrecked it every time I ran it. At least it turned. Yeah, you just, I mean, the fix set's what it is, and, I mean, you just, you had to wait on it, and, I mean, the, the fix set's what it is. So I ended up with a fourth and open and a sixth and fixed. Uh, 
good week, uh, frustrating week, just with the really frustrated with the the unannounced 300 laps. On, uh, oh yeah, that was I brutal, mean, wasn't it? Just not what I was expecting, and um, yeah, I still don't think we've ever seen any any word from our racing on what happened there. Well, not enough people complain. They liked it for some reason. I, I can't. I mean, no way. No, I mean, I it's like bad it. enough. It's bad enough that we have what ten full distance races. I, I can't do well, seventy five percent every. I can't do it. I mean, we it was twelve fifteen when we got done on Wednesday night. Oh wow, yeah. But not not only that. Considering that next week with the Charlotte is a six hundred, the six hundred. Oh, what is it? Three hundred laps. 400. 400. That's a four-hour race. 400 laps, yeah. That's a long yeah. race, and they're going to have back-to-back long races like that. Well, iRacing dropped the ball in a couple ways, and I'm going to call them out because after Wednesday, and we did 300 laps, I went on the forums to problem reporting forums where you would think iRacing is monitoring. It's a weekday. It's Thursday morning, and sure enough, there's already a thread there, you know, saying, hey, this is a problem, you know, and everybody chiming in. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, we're good. You know, they're going to see this. They're going to make the adjustment. It probably takes five seconds for them to change it from 300 to 200, you know. But guess what? Friday night came, and guess what? 300 laps. Was it 300 on Sunday morning, too? Yes. Yeah, all of them were. That's a crazy. So they had two business days to react to that post. And they did nothing. Well, I mean, I can somewhat understand if they didn't change it, that they'd already run one race, but at least acknowledge a screw-up. I mean, when you went and looked at the schedule, the schedule for laps at Dover said not available. I mean, so it, it wasn't like something happened. I don't know what they were doing. And it was only for open two. The fix was 200. Correct. Right. Half distance is 200. It should have been 200. So, yeah, that irritated me, even though I'm on the West Coast. But that extra hour, Jose, you you mentioned in one of your races, if this had been 200 laps, I would have had a top 10. Uh, You had trouble in the last 100, right? I had trouble in the last, I believe it was 20 laps, and I was running P4 at that point. Um, But, yeah, if it would have been a 200-lap race, it would have been a P9, I believe. Right. Um, Ended up... uh, I think at 21 that day because of getting wrecked uh, 20 laps to the end of the race. Well, Jose, you got 11th and a 12th for Dover. Yeah, and, and, and that sounds actually worse than what I really ran. I really ran well in Dover. I don't know why, for some reason, in short tracks I'm running considerably well. Um, but unfortunately, the results don't show that because uh, I, get, I get involved in... in incidents that uh, will take me out for a little while. All right. So, so looking at the schedule again, here we are what, a, a few days after, and it still says not available. There's a there's race link for every other open race except over. Yeah. They didn't even, they, yeah, you're right. There's no acknowledgement in the forum about it. They just completely missed it. All right, let's keep going. Oh. Jeff, how'd oh. you do? Jeff, I see you had a sixth and a 22nd. Yeah, again, I think it was just chasing the setup in the open. Um, the fix, I think it, I got around people that were just way too impatient and had to be first on by lap 10. And uh, Kyle, you had a, a pretty darn good week, fourth and a fifth. Yeah, personally, I thought the fix setup was great. I loved it. Um, Wednesday, I practiced before any of the sessions started. Got really pissed off, said I wasn't running at all. I was just going to run a fixed race and be done with it. And uh, I got in that fixed race uh, Wednesday afternoon and found the, the line on the track and went into the race and led 66 laps, actually, a full field run. And we restarted with 13 to go, and I got tagged in the rear end coming out of turn four, and that's what brought me a fifth place finish because I had already put the whole field two laps down. So um, with the open, again, once I uh, figured out the line for the fixed, I decided to run the open Wednesday night. Got caught up in a crash on, I think it was lap 10, blew my motor, and uh, got everything repaired and just ran laps. I was passing people. I got three laps back just running passing the entire field we were long green flag runs there so 
I ended up finishing fifth place, I think five laps down. But um, the the four cars ahead of me were all on the lead laps, so not a bad bad run this week at Dover. Uh, you know what, I Kyle? For it. I, I'm pretty sure you're in a lower split than you should be. <laughs> if you're passing the, the cars like that, you need to get your eye rating up and get up here where you're supposed to be. Uh, you're obviously a better driver than where your eye rating is. So um, yeah, the other thing I, I was going to say is, boy, you that one race where you led the most laps, boy, you had that win in the bag, didn't you? Yeah, I had it in the bag, and I just got tagged in the rear end coming out of turn four. Um, I don't know what the guy was thinking. He apologized for it, so that was good enough for me. But um, just unlucky, I guess you can call it. I it is what it is. We'll move on to next week. And, yeah, I took a huge I-rating dump. Talladega is my favorite track. So that Tuesday when that came out, I started running a ton of truck races. And I took about 500-point hit on my I-rating, and it put me down where I really don't want to be. Right. All right. And then, Dave, uh, you got uh, the best result of the week. Well, tied for best results, second in open and 24th in fixed. Yeah, fixed. I I wasn't really uh, wasn't feeling that setup. It wasn't quite to my liking. I I gave it a go to see what I could make of it, and I uh, I ended up getting into a a, a wreck. And so I said enough of that for the week for the fixed. Uh, open. Uh, I had an awesome setup. It it was it was great. You know, I got out there. I, I led some laps. I think it was like forty six laps led. I uh, I think I had the winning car. I made uh, a a late race decision that ended up uh, biting me, and I had to fight back. And I had to take two tires on the last pit stop, and uh, to get some track position. And uh, I ended up finishing second. But if I had had four tires uh, on that stop and came off a of pit road in second place, uh, I think I I was the car to beat. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I had a time where I somehow went under a green flag stop and had my tires unchecked for some reason. I remember that. And I had to do two stops, basically, so it was a 30-second stop. It killed my race. But uh, let's mention our other teammates not here. Brad Miller finished 4th and 14th. Nice run there. Brian Cozier, 13th. Matt Boley, 10th. And both Brian and Matt have limited starts. Uh I think only once uh, per week. A good run for those guys. Let's keep moving. Uh, next up, we want to talk about this brand new, you probably heard about it, iRacing VLN Endurance Championship. And they signed a deal real quick and got it scheduled, and the race has already happened. Were you guys involved in any of this? Nope. I honestly Negative. haven't looked into it at all. Nope. It came out like, like that, and I haven't ha- had a. Yeah, they to look really at it. rushed it out, and uh, it's a series at the Nurburgring exclusively. Uh, it's with the way I understand it. So yeah, it's a VLN layout. Right. So uh, yeah, they had a one event already. Um, the next event is June 26. So if you're interested, check that out. Uh, more endurance racing than you can swallow. Yeah, I think it's anything between four to six hours of race length. Dude, we yeah. have the three next week. You yes. Know? So we have the 24 layout, don't we? I don't That's know when the Blanc 24 is going. You know, you're oh. in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. bringing 24 layout, which is similar to the VLN layout, but not really. Correct. It's a, I think it's a little tougher, uh, the 24-hour layout. No, it's and, actually uh, shorter. The VLN a, has a whole extra section, I think, if I'm right. I haven't driven the VLN yet, so I'm not sure. Either way, yep. it's four, what is it, four or five classes? Four. Uh, it's f- a four, I believe. You got the MX-5 one at the Kia, pretty much the 24-hour Nürburgring field. And away, you got what, three GT3s, I think? Yeah, it's three classes. So you've got the, the BMW, the Audi, the Mercedes, then the Kia Optima, and then the, the MX-5. So um, I did see that it's interesting that the fair share rule that is not in effect. So I guess you could run it as a single driver. Hmm. I didn't um, see that. I I don't know about that. Uh, I know that the, the race spot, I believe it was, um, 
had the the event on their channel, um, and they they had a clip I think on uh, Facebook on it. Actually, the whole four hour race. Um, but they, it was interesting that uh, they started on uh, the 24-minute mark or the 21-minute mark, something of that nature, um, where the MX-5s were coming down the straight. And it was an, an awesome sight to see. You're talking oh, about, yeah, yeah a, a good 15-plus uh, uh, cars, and they were spread out three, four wide coming down that straight at about 140 miles an hour. Um, and when they came to the tight uh, entry to the to the end of that straightaway that, that became very tight. Um, they were all every single. I mean, every single driver was able to make uh, the transition from four wide to uh, one, uh, basically going uh, you know snake wise through that particular uh, stretch of the road. Um, very impressive driving uh, for the beginning of the VLN, especially for the high split. Well, I I'll say it. And we'll see what you guys say. Is this an oversaturation for endurance racing? It almost feels like it to me. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, if you look at globally, um, the demand is there, I think. Dave, your okay. button's kind of stuck open. We'll there have we to see, you know, how the participation goes as this uh, series moves forward. Um, but you... I, I think personally, you're thinking of it as an American stand, you know, standpoint of view. Um, the majority of the people that are running the endurance are, are from European, uh, out yeah. of this country. Yeah, European states um, and extremely fast drivers. Uh, I mean, Carlos and I drive against these guys <laughs> on a weekly basis, and and even oh, in the lower yeah. splits that we're in, <laughs> it's still hard. Are, yeah. Oh no, they are extremely fast. I we cannot figure out how they're doing this. Um, well, you speak for yourself, bro. Now I'm kidding. <laughs> you know it, Carlos. They're, they're, yeah, know. We're in the lowest split, and they're still, they're still killing us. I think the only time I could keep up with really fast guys like that was an Indy. Okay, so of course. speaking of Indy, let's uh, transition to the next story. Indy 500 is is coming up, and they scheduled it basically a week before the real race this time which i think is a good idea because we've had problems in the past with yep. the indy 500 and coke 600 going on the same time and crashes and stuff like that so this is a, a good move um are you guys ready i know carlos yep. you were working on a setup yeah we got a qualifying and well actually just say this right here and there there's a post in the forums for the i think under world tour or no in the dw12 forums there's a guy that you know, Wyatt Foster, whatever, put his uh, qualifying set. He's done this for a couple of years now, I think. You know, posting sets, and I'm pretty sure tons of people are going to try to use that to make the top 33 to get into that top split. Personally, I am disappointed that they split the schedule up between uh, the Indy 500 and the Coke 600. You want to do a double? I, absolutely. I enjoy <laughs> the double. I, You know, you, you got to remember... You know, back in the the older days, you know, you had the NASCAR drivers that would would do the double, and you know, it was always interesting to you know hear hear them talk about that on TV and how how grueling and demanding it was and and, and all of that stuff. And I enjoyed that. I mean, I'm just well, sitting at home doing it, but I I loved it. In the past years, though, Dave, they never they would schedule them at the same time, so you wouldn't you weren't able to do the double so to speak, because you had to pick. Am I going to run NIS on Friday, or am I going to run Indy 500? You couldn't do both. No, I, I almost want to say that there was... I can't remember what year it was, but there was at one point in time to where the scheduling uh, allowed it to where you could do a double. Right. Yeah, yeah so anyway, yeah, it's coming Indy up. During the day. They had the Indy during the day, and then you could run the Coke 600 at night. On Friday right. and Saturday, and then Sunday is when they would have the conflict. Now, speaking of which, the top split's going to be actually televised, or, or broadcasted, I should say, on uh, the Saturday afternoon at 4. Yep, and Friday night, is the uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, is the other start. And then, uh, obviously, uh, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, and then Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Like you could there, you're there you could do two Indy 500s back to back, and then Sunday 8 a.m. Eastern is the final uh, start. Four starts. 
And my, my thinking is what Dave's talking about is probably a couple of years ago before NIS when they were doing the one-offs with the NASCAR races is probably what it was. Yeah. Uh, yes, that is correct. That was before NIS. I'm ready. I'm ready to go and see what we can make happen. You guys have fun. I'm out. You're not going to do it? Yeah, well, it's an off week for NIS, so some some yeah. guys are looking for something to do, you know. I'll, yeah, I'll do I'm, the indie, but it's a dangerous setup, the one that we have there. I'm out of town all weekend, and I'm not a big indie car guy, so. Yeah, I would just say, if you're going to run it, run a fuel run, a fuel run in practice and see if you can hold the car. And also, I would say, if you could do that, then you could run the race. I do it for, I'm not a big indie car guy. I drive that car once a year. That's the Indy 500. Yep. I I do it just for for the sake that it's Indy and you know what Indy means, and uh, you know I like to be a part of that the best I can. I'll never be able to go out and actually see that race. So the closest thing I, I can get to it is watch it on TV or go be a part of it virtually. Oh, I yeah, I I'm with the Dave there. Yeah. Well, here's one I guess word of advice. Go practice the fix set for Anna, uh, for Kansas for the IndyCar, and if you can drive that, you can pretty much drive anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't expect to do well there, but I'll try probably try to run it once. We'll see what happens. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, next story. Uh, we've been calling this on this podcast. If you're a listener, you know this. The iRacer known as Ty Majeski uh, has, well, first of all, we... We noticed he got four wins in a row uh, running the ARCA Midwest Tour. And right after he got that fourth win in a row, he is signed to Roush Fenway as a development driver. Uh, congratulations, Ty. Yep, very cool, very cool. And hopefully by the time he makes it to Cup, yeah, I'm pretty sure you will if he's, he proves himself on track. Hopefully Roush will have a better program there on the cup side. But up until uh, well, Xfinity, that's one good team to be with. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we've been calling for this for a while because he's obviously talented. He's the highest I-rating oval driver in the service. And what's what I was looking at is the media picked this up and, and you, you saw the press releases and there was a lot of talk on social media about this, the, the signing. And everyone talked about his accomplishments, you know, in racing, but nobody mentioned he's, his accomplishments in iRacing, which I thought was, I was a little surprised by that, you know, cause that is the biggest accomplishment, I think. Wouldn't it be, even if you are a real car, you know, real race car driver to say, oh, I'm the highest iRating, you know, in iRacing? Well, I think, uh, iRacing, you know, it's getting more noticed now. But, you know, uh, they they use it as a tool now to, to showcase the tracks and whatnot. On, uh, what was, what's that show called? NASCAR America? Right. So they use iRacing as a tool there. Um, I don't think it's quite there yet to where it gets that kind of recognition. But it's definitely headed in that direction. There's an article from RaceChaseOnline.com. It says, from home to abroad, 11 drivers make up 2016-2017 NASCAR's next class. Ty Majeski is part of that. Out of the program started in 2011, 27 out of 32, I believe, have made a career in NASCAR being a part of this class. He's going to get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm happy. Uh, I think everyone in the iRacing community is very happy for Ty. I think we all like it when we see this crossover where you start in iRacing and you become a real race car driver. Uh, we see examples of this all the time. And this is like the real deal. I mean, you're going to mark my words. You will see Ty Majeski in a cup ride at some point. My only thing is what took so long for them to sign him? I, I mean, know. He's been I doing mean, we've this been for screaming years. for months that this guy's ready to be signed. He's been winning races, putting the car where it needs to be, and bringing it home in one piece for years. 
Well, I think that goes back to iRacing getting the proper recognition. And why it's not quite there yet is, you know, people are probably a little gun-shy to say, oh, well, this guy does really great virtually. You know, let's see what he does in a real car. I think, you know, there's there's still some uh, questions there as to, you know, if online racing is is that good to where they're getting good enough experience. Look at Max Verstappen we just talked about. Right, exactly. And and that's a good step in the right direction in showing, you know, what this service is capable of. Yep, absolutely. Um, I, I love mean, it when this happens. At the age of 15, he was, in, he was invited uh, to test a stock car at Hickory, North Carolina. I mean, a 15-year-old, everybody knows he's good. He's going to school for mechanical engineering. He's a very, very smart individual. Yeah, he's I mean, only 21. Well, you, you bring up the, the correlation between our racing and, and the real world. I don't know if you guys have talked about, but William Byron, who won the Kansas truck race, started in our racing. He didn't get in a yep. car until he was 14 years old. So, I mean, it, it's an easy transition if you get with the right people. Yep, absolutely. And I, I mean, um, you know, you talked about the NBC, uh, the NBC Sports. I can't think of uh, NASCAR Parker. America. Yeah, Parker Kligerman. Um, I don't know if you guys listened to any of the NBC podcasts, but they had one a couple weeks ago where Parker spent probably 15 minutes talking about iRacing, about how they set up all the um, when they're taping the stuff, and I mean, the amount of hours that he has spent. You know, over the years, just sim racing and how much that has benefited him, you know, for real racing. Yep. And I want to bring up a point I said on some previous podcasts about uh, Ty. I had I'd asked uh, John Henry, the founder of iRacing, boy, you know what? Your iRacing is the sponsor right now on Ty Majeski's car. He's the, the primary sponsor. I'd love to see iRacing continue on as this guy moves up the ladder. And you know what? I know iRacing doesn't have the revenue, you know, as he gets up to the NASCAR level. But guess what? John Henry's got it. John Henry actually owns Roush Fenway. Let's not forget that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why there was no surprise to me that he signs with, with Roush Fenway. And you think John is, was part of that discussion? I, I'm curious now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, why not? I mean, he has a vested interest. I mean, it's, right. again, it's his money, you know, that that, that helped bankroll iRacing. I mean, it's... And bankroll you know, Roush Fenway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, John, if you're listening out there, we're with you, boy. Keep at it, you know. We love it. And, Ty, we wish you the best of luck at Roush, and uh, let's see where you go in the future. Yep. Going to make some ARCA starts? For Rulu Brothers, I think so. You know, I have to, to keep an eye on the ARCA series for the rest of the year too. Yeah. Well, you know, Dominion Raceway in Spotsylvania County, where I live, they have an ARCA race on Monday, Memorial Day um, on Monday. I'm curious if he's going to be there. I'm going to have to go to that track to see if he's there. Yeah, I don't know how quick he's in the car, but um, I think he does have starts this year, though. All right, let's move on. Uh, next topic we're going to hit on is uh, uh, Dave Gosselin had mentioned in the forums, he's an iRacing staff member, a little tidbit about DX11 I wanted to share. He says there are a number of things that did not get implemented in the version of the DX11 that rolled out. We've since gone back and implemented them, and they will roll out in the next season build. Ghost Tracks and Tech Track rendering is among those issues we've also fixed a number of bugs that have been reported uh, and apparently there's some kind of crossfire bug as well if you're using crossfire in dx11 so hang out for the new build if you still have an issues there yep and remember this next build at least with the way that they talked would be for dx11 would be default dx9 would be the option to where they'll start to phase out dx9 right uh, the next one, uh, I think, Brad, you found this one, didn't you? Uh, the details where they had some 
issues on one day and it related to their ISP and a actual fiber got cut for the, for the ISP. Yeah, there was there seemed to be a bunch of guys getting dumped. Um, it was one day last week. I don't remember exactly one day, but uh, the, uh, the I guess the information of being that the fiber cut. Let's see, the fiber cut took lots of people off the net. The fact that our U.S. servers have been online at all is because of redundancy across providers. The word we get from RSP is that they were testing on the wrong circuit by an upstream provider being an active circuit that testing would have resulted in periodic latency and disconnects to all users of that circuit to claim this issue is now resolved. So, I mean, I saw a lot of uproar, you know, uproar on the, the forums, and you know what? Technology is great when it works, but unfortunately, we're all going to deal with it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, the other thing I saw that was kind of an offshoot topic of this was the particular ISP that uh, iRacing uses uh, apparently isn't a very well-liked ISP. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, and to be honest with you, depending on where you are in the country, you don't have a whole lot of options when it comes to ISPs. That's true. True story. Okay, let's keep moving. Uh, the next one up is, guess what? We had some reader comments, uh, and I love these. So uh, one of them was basically some questions about what programs do you run during races? Uh, I think you said you run Z1 Dashboard and iSpeed, but for the Speedway, are you running something for driver position? Joel Real Timing, uh, someone suggested that, was a little unsure how to set it up, and uh, basically asking, you know, what do you guys use third-party software? And we've been through this a little bit in the past, but I'll, I'll spit out what I'm using. Uh, obviously, TeamSpeak, uh, iSpeed, I'm using iSpeed basically for fuel calculation only, um, and how many laps uh, in a run, that's very handy. Uh, I'm also using iRace-Server, and that's for temperatures on my iPhone, which sits on top of the wheel. I got iBuzzer, and I only use that for countdown to pit stall. I use Joel Real Timing on my laptop. Uh, it gives me timing and scoring, basically. And Z1 Dashboard on my large 55-inch uh, up above the rig uh, for dashboard-related stuff. Uh, what did I miss? What do you guys use that I didn't mention? Dash Meter Pro. That's a good one. I've heard I've used that before. Yeah, I use that on my uh, my 10 inch tablet. Now I've been playing with a Android emulator. Uh, it was working for a while, and then all of a sudden it it wasn't wasn't cooperating. But it's called the uh, uh, Andy emulator, I think is what it's called. And I was running Dashmere Pro on a 20-inch monitor uh, on my computer here for a little while until uh, Andy stopped working. I'm not exactly sure what the problems were. So I reverted back to using the tablet. But that's all I use is um, in race is Dashmere Pro on the tablet. I've got it all laid out to where it'll give me, give me my, uh, my, uh, my temperatures, my fuel, um, all of that stuff. Um, when not racing, uh, when I'm doing practice and putting a, together a setup for the week, I use um, iAnalyze. I have a, a subscription there, and I use that for all of my uh, my telemetry and stuff like that. I've used Motec in the past for telemetry, and it can get a little uh, difficult to get just the, the quick and easy stuff that you're looking for, like your ride heights. And stuff like that, iAnalyze offers a, a great platform for uh, just quickly looking at some of your uh, necessary telemetry. Yeah, I, uh, I use iAnalyze also, and uh, just there's an update to that coming out next week, and that's going to add some stuff that will be very handy in race time, but until it's up, until the update has been pushed out, I want to push that back for another show topic, because uh, there's some stuff on there I really want to try out. Yeah, it looks like he's got a uh, a couple cool things in the works there. I'd be interested to see how all that turns out. I sat in on the last uh, conversation he had as far as 
doing the training and stuff. And what he talked about is uh, for for the guys that run open, and if you want to really get detailed, which I plan to get very detailed on how my races go and stuff like that, there's some very cool stuff that's coming from my analyze. Nice. Yeah, they're actually bringing the server down on Thursday to uh, do some new updates to it. I just got an email about it last night. Yeah, so um, like I said, let's get the it gets the, the next release out and work through it a little bit, and um, you know we'll we'll make a note to to revisit I analyze and even maybe uh, I wouldn't mind maybe trying to get Doug going here at some point. Hey, he's a real easygoing guy to talk to. Uh, it'd be great to uh, have him get on here and talk about his program a little bit. Yeah, I think you know we got a lot of future topics when we go over each one of these things in detail. The other one I forgot to mention was my iPad runs the uh, Rawcat Power Grid, and that's a button box on the iPad. I can only imagine how many wires you've got going behind your PC. Like, <laughs> It looks pretty good, though, uh, kind of clean. Uh, anything else we missed is for third-party apps, guys, uh, before we move to the next topic? Yeah, I use uh, Air keypad air keyboard I believe air keyboard right that's a button box for ipad right correct that's another button box for ipad uh that i use um i also use a z1 dashboard like you do i also use glove pie uh which is uh oh and i use voice attack which is similar to voice attack exactly um uh i speed as well um and that's pretty much it for what I normally use. I, I have used or attempted to use other software, but not really to my satisfaction. Uh, so I just use the current software that I just mentioned. All right. Let's move to the next uh, listener feedback here. And we're not going to mention any names, but we're going to mention his situation here. And he asked a question, and we're going to ask each of you guys what, what the answer is here. But... uh he says, I did some homework and thought instead of buying three average monitors, I would buy one really nice one and thought I could slap the more inexpensive monitors on the side. Wrong. I bought an Acer Predator 34-inch curved screen with G-Sync and 144 hertz for the center. All is good there. Looks great. But I didn't know that I would need three alike monitors for triples. If I go with a lesser quality monitor at this point, I would have to run my center screen at a lower spec to match the other two, at least I believe. So it sounds like he only has the center, but he's planning on buying the, the second and third. Other than buying another couple of Predator monitors for a grand each, do you have any other options? My graphics card is a G970 Gaming. So what do you guys think? What's the answer? Well, I think to start, this is just my opinion, but when you're doing triple monitors, um, yeah, you can use different brands, different makes, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, I'm on my, my second set of triples. I started out with 20s. I went up to 24s. My idea is just get all three the same, and, you know, stuff will play nice, and it'll work a lot easier than trying to run different uh, custom resolutions and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you, you can do it, but there are issues. Uh, first thing I'd do is I'd sell the Predator. I'm not spending $1,000 on one monitor. You could have gotten three very nice monitors for that. 327s for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, and you're going to have to have a heck of a system if you're going to push three monitors at 144 hertz. That you're going to have to have an impressive system because you're not going to get it. And honestly, size-wise, you know, as far as the size, you know, bigger's not necessarily better. Um, I think most people would argue that a 27-inch monitor would probably be, I mean, I'm on 24s, and I'm real comfortable on a 24. Um, I, I actually, 27's a sweet spot, I think. That's Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I think 27 would probably be a sweet spot, but... To uh, to anybody that's listening that's on a budget that wants to do triple monitors, I will say that I was on 20-inch triples for a while, a long time, probably three years, and I wasn't disappointed. Three 20-inch screens 
would still be, in my opinion, better than one thirty-two inch screen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, no, no hands down. I mean, I, absolutely. You know, if you if you got to do it on a budget, do it on a budget. You know, I'm the same boat. I think I'm on twenty ones. Um, you know, I'd like to go up to something bigger, but space wise, I'm kind of limited in what I can do. But um, you know, it, again, find three nice monitors. You know, and you'll be happy. Stay away from the curved stuff, and you're gonna get what you need if you just get a nice setup for triples. Yep. And well, I answered the guy, and I told him, sell your monitor and get triples that are the same. You know, make model. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna go out and buy them, buy three like monitors. You know, I understand everybody can't do that, and if you got to kind of do it in pieces, that's fine. I, you know, but you need to at least stay try to stay in the same size. Um, you know, but if you have to, yeah, you can work around it. Mike, you and I talked about this, but you know, you're gonna have issues. But if you're on a budget, you do what you can do. But I, I, I've Someone who's been on triples for quite a few years, I could never go back to anything else. Look, his the situation he he was thinking would work, but it wouldn't look right, okay? Because I used to have a 16 by 9 center and 4 by 3 on the left and 4 by 3 on the right, and it looked funky. Yeah, it worked, but the, the sides were kind of zoomed more than the center was, and it just wasn't right. So you really should have matching make models. That's the way to do triples. All right, let's move on. Uh there was a post yesterday uh, that anyone with SimVibe was having, well, a lot of people with SimVibe, which is the software that runs the Sim Experience rigs, the moving rigs, uh, they're getting anti-cheat errors uh, from the anti-cheat stuff they put in last, sem last September. So uh, I don't know if it's widespread or not, but there's a lot of people on those threads. Yeah, I haven't. I've got SimVibe. Uh, used to run a butt kicker, but I haven't run it in ages, to be honest with you. So uh really haven't. Uh, I, I haven't run across it, but I haven't turned on SimVibe in probably two months. Yeah, so uh, we'll be thinking about you guys and hoping you get it fixed quickly. Uh, next topic. Uh, basically, uh, iRacing announced uh, on the 11th, uh, they're no longer supporting 32-bit anything, okay? Uh, as far as operating system. Uh, if you have 32-bit Windows, you're going to be SOL, okay? And um, you need to get to a 64-bit version of Windows, uh, and that needs to be 7 or greater. Uh, XP is no longer supported. That was also announced the same day. Um, uh, people have been warned and been told about it. I mean, Microsoft's not even supporting XP anymore. Right, it's, and so iRacing's going along with that, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to. You, you just can't keep... It's making more work for them if they've got to keep supporting stuff. It's just, you know, it's not... You, as a company, you got to move forward. I think just to note that 7 is getting long in the tooth as well. So, you know, how long does uh, Microsoft continue their support with 7? Well, and they, they pledged first? till 2020, as I think is the number. Okay. I, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, it's good till 2020, and uh, I know there's a lot of people with their iRacing rigs. They're not going to 10, and I'm I'm one of those. I'm going to stay on seven until the bloody end. Well, as someone who took the off week to, to move to 10, I've been very happy. So I wanted to get in before uh, to to get the free upgrade. So right. I've been I super also, super happy. I think you rolled the dice though a little bit. I, I was I, off. Yeah, I mean, I had put it on my laptop, um, you know, when it came out last year, and, and really didn't. And my laptop tap, my laptop was having errors in seven, and all this went away. So, but I did a perfectly clean install on the rig, so that wasn't even an upgrade. I just did a clean install, and I think that was probably the best way to go. Um, you know, if if you're gonna upgrade, you could do the upgrade, but then you need to go back and, and do a clean install. Upgrades never never work right. Yeah, that actually happened to me. I did the upgrade, and this week, I actually yesterday, I did a full wipe because I was having issues with my um, PC shutting down. I was getting critical errors from programs not being able to integrate, so I just did a full wipe. I got wiped out of one of my Dover races. I froze coming out of turn two, and 
my tower just shut right down because I said, screw it, I'm tired of trying. But um, I was also one that was skeptical about going from 7 to 10. And I'm happy that I did now. But, uh, Mike, you said that you're going to stay till 7 till the end. I would still recommend you at least go claim your free copy and then go back to 7 if you want. But um, they're going to be getting rid of the whole free thing and you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah. You know, I have a Windows 7 disk that I bought outright when I built the machine. So I know I could probably always, you know, reformat to that and and so on. And I have no problem paying $100 for Windows 10, you know, th four years from now. That's not a big deal for me. Uh, the other thing uh, to wrap up this topic, uh, OS X and Li Linux. Linux. Uh, all, Linux. <laughs> Uh, also, 64-bit only, okay? No 32-bits anymore, any operating system, okay? So go check. Uh, if you're in Windows, you can hit Start, right-click on My Computer, hit Properties, and you'll see there if it's 32-bit or 64-bit. Moving on. Uh, SimpCube update. Uh, we talked about this in a previous podcast. I wanted to, I saw an update and, uh, they basically put up a blog post, uh, showing some pictures of the parts coming in, uh, ready to be assembled and such. So, uh, I wonder if uh, nobody I know has bought one, but a lot of people apparently have. And, uh, I'm interested in this once they actually get a product out. I might be interested in buying one. Yeah, absolutely. So there's the update there. Uh, boy, and then NVIDIA uh, shocked us with uh, some surprise uh, announcements here. We got a new kick-butt graphics card called the GeForce GTX 1080 and 1070. Uh, Carlos, tell me what you think about this. Why me? Oh, well, Let's you see. looked into this, didn't I you, know. a little bit? I actually planned on getting a 1070 at the end of the month when they're supposed to come out. I think May 27th. I think they said the release dates were supposed to be for both the 1070 and 1080, but 1080 is obviously the top of the line. It's got to be right now, you know, when it comes out. They say they blow these, the new generation, I mean, the generation that's out right now, they blow these out of the water, you know, and it does. A 1080 is already better than the Titan X, which is, what, almost two grand? Or how much is the Titan X? I don't know, but it's expensive. It's, a, it's well over a thousand, and this is going to yep. be six hundred for the ten eighty. Yeah, and the ten seventy is going to be around three seventy something or three forty something. I don't remember, but I plan on getting it next month. Which so that ten seventy will run triples, right? Easy. Oh yeah, both of them will. So you're saying a, a three to four hundred dollar brand new graphics card called the ten seventy is better than the best graphics card in the market today called the Titan X, which is two-thirds higher in price. Yep. That's what that's they not. claim. <laughs> yeah, that's what they claim. It might not be... Even though some people already have these cards, I know people who are allowed to test them early and give feedback have been able to show benchmarks that are way higher than, say, the 980 Ti but, and the Titan X for well, that price point. And I think it's all due to that whole new uh, architecture they're using. Well... I'll be curious to to see how you how you how you like it or not. I'm I'm an AMD yeah. guy and have been for quite a few years. And uh, I'm actually curious to see what AMD's going to do. You know, they might release they something even better later. They got to come up with something, later. or they're hosed. Yeah, yeah. they will. <laughs> see, the reason why I've been NVIDIA all along has been mainly because I use a recording software that's only for NVIDIA. But you know, that's all I've ever used when I started building these PCs. That's all I've ever used is NVIDIA stuff and. I don't know. I'll do more than just sim racing. I have a lot of other new titles out there, so I'll be waiting for this. Well, I've got one of those uh, eight gigabyte R nine three nineties in, and uh, from AMD, and I have had no complaints. It's done everything I've thrown at it. I uh, one of the other titles that I uh, I spent some time on is Flight Simulator, and it runs that on Max, well near Max. Uh, on triple monitors. So I, I think AMD is headed in the right direction. I've always been an AMD guy, and mainly because I've always been on uh, a, a budget, uh, for say. But uh, I think AMD is headed in the right direction. Oh, yeah. What is it called? Polaris or something that they're coming out with? So I here's the, I, I'm reading this article in uh, PC World, and here's the difference here. 
This performance and efficiency is enabled by the long-awaited leap to 16 nanometer process technology in GPU transistors. For four years, we've been stuck with 28 nanometer transistor process nodes. And so that's really the difference is they figured out a way to make these GPU transistors basically twice as fast. Yep, and all I can say is stay away from the reference cards. You know, get something that has more fans on it because these things do get kind of hot. But that's if you have inefficient cooling like I do. Yeah, if well, you're in the market of... for a card, you you need to look, definitely look into this. But yeah, I was going to get one of those AMDs, you know, the 390X, I think. I was going to get one of those, then this announcement came and changed my mind right away. I actually well, AMD will have some work to do now. I actually just did that. Went from an R9, R290 up to a 390X with built-in water cooling for the card itself. And then I went, I traditionally was air-cooled on my tower, and I just put water cooling in that as well. So I have water cooling for the processor and for the video card. Well, as someone who usually stays about one generation behind, I'm always happy when they come out with something new, because that means the older stuff's going to be cheaper and I can buy it. This is one thing I noticed lately about this past NVIDIA generation. The prices have not dropped. Maybe a little bit, but not by much like the 700 series did. All right. And uh, our final hardware topic today. Uh, I found a uh, LG who makes monitors. They're going to showcase their brand new 86-inch, what they call Ultra stretch, seven foot long, Jeez. ultra HD digital signage solution at Infocom. I'm reading here. This is what 58.9 aspect it's ratio. It's a 58.9 aspect ratio. Now we've talked about field of view before. This is not what you want to buy, Pope. Hey, folks, hey, hey, could, for could you stack racing. like four of those on top of each other? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you did something fun, funky like that, you could have like you could play iRacing on a video wall or something. Can you imagine having that thing in portrait mode? <laughs> you have to have a cut your ceilings down or something, or eight of those know. next to each other in portrait. Yeah, that'd be crazy. I'm sorry. I just if you're gonna go that size, you might just as well do a projector and be done with it. Yeah, and and there's yeah. no price because you know the price is like probably twenty grand, especially if it's four K. 58.9 aspect ratio. Okay. Uh, okay, that's it for hardware. Let's jump into our final topic and then final thoughts. Um, it's with a heavy heart that we're announcing that Mark Moffat has passed away Friday, May 6th. Um, he passed away while doing what he loved the most, iRacing and chatting on TeamSpeak. I believe the authorities have some issues locating his next of kin, Etc. Etc. So, uh, Team Tafosi, everybody here uh, wishes you know their family the you know all the prayers and everything. You know what a way to go out. Mark Moffat uh, actually died doing what he loved, and that was i racing. I've raced with this guy. He runs over at a, a KMA Racing League, um, and he's a tally whacker, as you call it. You know, one of those guys that does super speedways all the time. And, you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, kind of like me, but uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of shocking. And there was a lot of uh, outpouring on Facebook and stuff. Uh, they had a remembrance race as well, a memorial race. Uh, a lot of people participated in, and we just wanted to, to mention it. And that's wrap. let's wrap up with final thoughts. Uh, Carlos, you're up first. Why do I always got to be first? Oh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I took an off week this week, enjoying this off week since we get ready for 600 miles. As usual, track guide should be out Monday. So whoever's listening to this, expecting a Monday afternoon. That's pretty much it. Okay, Jeff. Yeah, ready for Indy and you're ready to do 600 miles. All right, Jose. Uh, looking forward to the Indy 500. Not looking forward to the Coke 600. Um, and hoping to do better as uh, we go along. All right, Brad. Um, definitely ready for an off week. Um, 
it's been a, a grind here, and we don't get another winning thing until June, and then we only got one more for the rest of the year. So, uh, but uh, I'm definitely looking for an off week. Uh, we'll not be running the Indy 500. Uh, I'll actually be out of town this weekend running my first half marathon. So, um, I'll be racing, just no horsepower, nothing but foot power. Well, good luck there. And uh, NASCAR, those car, those uh, off weeks. Uh, Kyle. Oh, I'm looking forward to the off week as well. I'm looking forward to the Coke run, but not so much the Indy, but we'll give them both a whirl. All right, and Dave? Well, I'm looking forward to uh, a lot of things coming up. For me, I got a lot of uh, lot of stuff to uh, be excited about as far as racing. You know, we got the Indy 500 coming up, and then, uh, yeah, we got an off week uh, for NIS, so that's great. But then uh, following the NIS, we've got the uh, the Coke 600. I can't wait to do that race. That race is going to be a blast, I think. And then uh, after that, we got some uh, some pretty fun tracks up that are going to be uh, pretty interesting. And you know, we got uh, Pocono, Michigan, Sonoma, and Daytona, all tracks that are coming up. All going to be uh, great racing, I think. I'm actually looking forward to Sonoma. A little bit for anybody that hasn't ran any laps at Sonoma yet, I highly suggest it. With this, yep. uh, with this new car package, uh, it feels really good. You know, you can you can kick it around sideways a little bit and and not wreck it. it I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's probably going to be one of the more competitive Sonoma races we see in a while in a Sprint Cup car. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, Daytona myself, uh, looking for some more wins. Uh, make sure to f- uh, check us out at Twitter at Tafosi Racing, and we also are on Twitter as iRacers Lounge if you guys uh, want to interact with us and have questions. Uh, if you want us to use your name on the show when you pose a question, make sure to tell me it's okay to use my name, and we'll do that. So uh, thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Have a good night. Night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.